Get your Bibles open tonight to Exodus chapter 3 and get them ready to move around some more tonight as I continue what we talked about this morning. Exodus 3, 5, as you're getting there, talks to us about something that happened to Moses as he stood before God. I think we, I know we fall short of understanding how awesome God is. We can sing the song, we can say the words, but I don't think we're really going to understand how awesome he is till we're standing in his presence. But he does want us to try to understand, and he, Moses stood before a burning bush. Fire was consuming that bush, but the bush would not uh, burn up, and so Moses, his attention was caught to it, and he went over to the bush, and God said in verse 5 of Exodus 3, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Amen. How many know that we are, when we come into God's presence, it's holy? Amen. Amen. And we're trying tonight to understand what that means, holiness. What holy means, what, what it means to, to understand God's holiness. And as we're looking at this scripture and he says, the place you're standing is holy ground. It's not because that place on the ground was special. It's because God's presence was there. And so when we are coming into his presence, we're walking with him, we're learning to understand how powerful the holiness of God is. Amen? So let's go quickly back to Revelations where we were this morning. And I want to read a verse in chapter 5, sorry, 4 of Revelation. All the way, I had you in the beginning, go all the way back to the end. If you weren't here this morning or if you were in Sunday school or nursery, we were talking about the holiness of of God and how he wants us to be holy and how he wants us to understand his holiness. And so Revelation gives us an understanding of that. I'm not going to read all the verses I did this morning, but verse 8, if you'll look there, says that the four living creatures having six wings were full of eyes around and within, and they, they, they did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Amen? And so we, we learned this morning that when God says something more than once, He's putting an emphasis on it. And nowhere else in the Bible do you see love mentioned three times, mercy mentioned three times, but you see holy mentioned three times, meaning God, it, it, meaning, that's a way to try to say it without being able to really explain it. How many know there's a lot of things about God we can't really explain? There's not enough words. Our words fall short. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the indescribable gift. Trying to explain how good God is will always fall short. But they tried, and they were saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Has anybody ever been in court? Let me see your hands. All right. Some people for more serious offenses than others. Maybe you have not been there for yourself, but you've been there for somebody else. Uh, maybe you've been there for a ticket. But whatever it is, when you walk into a courtroom, there is a reverence in that courtroom. And uh, it's expected. It's something that is just, it's just known. That that place is a place where you don't act crazy. They got the bailiff there. And you know, they know that if they act crazy there, they're only a few steps away from going back behind the door. Yeah. Amen. So it's not a place you want to act up. And they keep order in that place. And even the hardest criminals in the world act good in a courthouse 
Amen. They, they, they calm down most of the time. I know there's been some incidences where people have acted crazy, but as a general rule, there's a reverence in the courtroom because they know that that judge has their life in his hands. And so we need to relate our understanding to God that that's the fact. That's God. God is the judge, the great judge. He has our lives in his hands. And so we were talking this morning about understanding how to be able to come to God with a boldness, like a son or a daughter to a father, but with a reverence that God is holy. And I need to come into his presence with a reverence and a respect. Talked this morning about a lot of times people get arrested or get tickets because they don't really respect the law. If you respect the law, whether you agree with the law or not, whether you agree with the Constitution or not, whatever it is, you respect it because there is an authority over you. And you'll never have a great walk with God if you don't understand God's authority. And that God is on another level. Amen. And that God is just by his grace and mercy sharing with us. He shares this world. He allows us to be a part of it. He gives us breath every day and we're not owed it. So we don't take for granted who he is or what he has or what he does. But we understand that that song sums it up. I stand, I stand in all of you. There's no other way to say it. Amen. So let's go to Isaiah 6. We also left off there this morning. And I want to read one more time a few verses there before I continue to where we were uh, this morning. But let me just say this as you're getting there. The, the jest of this morning was understanding God's goodness and man's unworthiness. God's greatness and our unworthiness. God's way up there, not, not in a sense we can't reach him, but in a sense that he is way above and we are way below. And we could never obtain or be good enough to be able to be on a same level with him. And uh, someone tried that once. And it didn't go too well. His name was Lucifer. And uh, we know the rest of the history of that. Any person can be forgiven, any person can be saved, any person can be reconciled, but that person cannot. Because that person wanted to be equal with God and he found out real quick that doesn't happen. God is God, amen? And we must respect God. And so we see God's goodness and God's greatness and our unworthiness in this, in this situation, alright? So let's look at Isaiah 6 again. Let me get my notes ready here. And let's look at verse... Uh, let's look at verse 3 again. And one cried to another, these are angels in heaven. And now we're seeing, again, we're seeing in Isaiah the same thing we saw in Revelation. Okay? He says, I, and one cried to another, these are angels, one cried to another and said, what, Holy, holy, holy is the, is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken, by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. And the Bible goes on to say what we read this morning, that Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of the hosts. So I want to show you something here tonight that's important. How much should we reverence God and respect God and understand holiness if angels who have no sin nature fear him. There's no sin in them at all. They, they can't sin. Uh, Satan took care of that. Amen. He did the sin for them. 
and they're perfect beings that don't have the same uh, makeup that we do as human beings, yet they fear him so much that they tremble in his presence. Just think about that for a second. And, and they, they shook and they, all they, it says they cried to one another in awe, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Their job is to give glory to the Lord, the angels. That's all they do. Day and night, that's all they do is give glory to the Lord. That's also our job, amen, to give glory to the Lord day and night. So if God's purity, think about this, we saw wings and we saw um, uh, six wings that covered their face and feet. We saw the symbols of animals, of the creatures that were in that presence of God. And when they saw the presence of God, the Bible says they covered their faces and bowed their heads down before him. So we see that even the best people are flawed in God's presence. Amen. And, and God, God wants us to understand the all of him. My message, anybody's message could never give it really merit. Could never really explain how amazing it is. But I, I, I wrote this down. God's purity makes the sinless angel blush and seek cover. God's presence makes the sinless angel blush and seek cover. And so we, 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 we will be, live a better life. For God, if we understand how great he is and remember how unworthy we are. Okay, how great is our God? How unworthy am I? Amen. And so let's move on a little bit in this and show you a few other things. Uh, as, as Isaiah is talking here, how many know that he wrote a humongous book? Called, he's a major prophet. He he prophesied great and amazing things that happened to Jesus when he came on the earth. He was a preacher. He was a prophet. His lips and his mouth were his best asset. Yet somehow he looks at his own life, his own best asset, which were his lips, his mouth, his voice, his tongue, his talking, and says, I am a man of unclean lips. Even so, that means even my greatest asset for God, even my greatest talent for God is nothing in his presence. And God is looking for people who will humble themselves in his presence. Not people who come in and and seek uh, glory or seek honor or seek a position, but people who come in and stand in all of him, humble themselves. God said Jesus, God said himself through Jesus' words, he said, I have come to serve, not to be served. There's a humility in that. There's a humbleness in that. And we must humble ourselves in God's presence. Amen? And so he was a spokesman for God and says, man, my lips, that's the one thing I got to really work on. Now, how many can say that? That's something we all need to work on. Our lips, amen. Not the makeup you put on, ladies, our, what we say, amen. Not, not, not the chapstick we put on when our lips are dry. I'm talking about what comes out of our mouth, amen. We need to work on that. And he says, I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. And he puts us all in the same boat and says, we all are. We're unclean. And he saw that he was sinful and even his greatest strength was not comparable in God's eyes. How many of you ever heard someone say, ma'am, God can't save me, I'm too bad. How many of you ever heard that? You ever talk to somebody at work or school or on the job or at some place and you're talking, they say, man, I can't get, I can't get, God can't forgive me. I, you don't know what I've done. I've done too much wrong. I've made too many mistakes. And you know what? I think about that attitude. There's an attitude behind that. Now it's erroneous. We know that God can save them. And many of us or all of us in this place who look, if we could look back on who we were and who we are now, we've realized he did. 
Okay? But when we say that, here's the thing we got to think about, is there's a good attitude in that because I would say that a lot of the people outside of the church who do not know the Lord, who have the attitude of God can't save me because I'm so bad, are closer to God than a lot of people in church because of the attitude that they've come to get. We have to be careful to, as, we're, as we get saved and sanctified and set apart for the work of God that we do not become prideful. That we never forget that I am a man, I am a woman of unclean lips. Amen. And I'm standing in the presence of a living God. And the reason that that man or woman would be closer to God than many people in church is because they are aware of their sin. They're aware that they have failed. Amen. And so we must remember God's provision. Amen. God's provision. How can I be holy? How can I even get in the same room as God? Do you realize tonight that if, if God wasn't merciful, even as we were worshiping tonight, we could have been struck dead? Do you realize that? If you go back to the Old Testament, people, people died sometimes for holding the ark wrong. Amen. I mean, it's a serious thing. And, and we can't ever forget that God is still a consuming fire. And he is still, we, 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 we understand his love. This is a balanced message. We understand his love and we understand his mercy. But if I don't understand his wrath and his judgment and his righteousness, I can't understand his love and his mercy. And so I said this morning, remember this, I can't understand how awesome heaven is if I don't realize how real hell is. Okay, does that make sense? I can't appreciate the glory of God and the heaven that he has waiting for me and the mansion and, and the streets of gold if I don't understand that that's not where I'm supposed to be and that's not what I deserve. If I get to a place where I feel like I deserve that, then I don't understand that hell's what I deserve. And the only reason that I'm not in hell or going to hell tonight is because of God's provision of a sacrifice. Amen. That he became holy he, he, sorry, he is holy, but became sinful for us. He became sin for us. He took on sin for us so that we could be holy. That's the substitution, amen? The sinless Son of God dies on that cross, pays for our sin, and God's justice is satisfied through Jesus. God's justice is satisfied which is sin, sin being punished, watching he extends his mercy to us. And the reason, write this down if you're taking notes, the reason we're called children of God, how many like that? I said that this morning. We read that and I said, man, that excites me to know I'm a child of the Father. Amen, I'm a child of God tonight. You've you got to meditate on that. You've got to think about that, how awesome that is. Amen, you are a child of the King tonight. And, but we're not children of the King because we're good. We're children of the king because we're forgiven. That's the only reason we're children of the king, because of his forgiveness. And we are not forgiven because we're the, in the best class of people. We're not forgiven because we've done a certain amount of things to be forgiven. We are forgiven tonight simply because Christ paid the price for our sin, period. And because Christ paid the price, I am forgiven. Amen. We sang that song this morning. Amazing love. Amen. I'm forgiven. I'm forsaken. How's it go? 
I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. Yes, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. He became everything that we are so we can be everything he is. He became everything we are so we can be and have everything he is. That's powerful. That's the substitution. Amen. He became that. He, again, was not that God up there that's lording over us and saying, I'm amazing, although he is. And he says, worship me, although he wants us to. He gives us free will. But he said, I'm going to come down. I'm going to pay a price. I'm going to substitute because I, I can't. He's, what he's basically doing is God in his holiness is not going to cut corners. So he's not going to say, well, I'll let you in as you are. I'll let you in. I'll let you in with little sin. He can't do that. That's not how he worked. He said, I'm going to have to come down and substitute your sin so you can come in to my house. Amen. He couldn't bend any rules. He couldn't cut any corners. How many know as humans, that's what we'll do most of the time. We'll bend a little bit, cut some corners, try to find a loophole. God said, there's no loopholes. How many know you cannot make a loophole in perfection? It just doesn't work. And so God couldn't change anything. He had to become that sacrifice. And so his standard is still holiness. His standard is holy, holy, holy. His standard, as we read in Matthew 5 this morning, is perfect. He even said, be perfect. How many read that verse with me this morning? He said, be perfect. And so some people say, man, I can't do it. No, you can't. But when you accept Jesus into your life, you become perfection. Amen. You become what he's calling you to be. God's not going to call you or ask you to do something you can't do or be somebody you can't be. Amen. But he equips us to be that. So, again, we're, the reason we're children of God is not because we're good, but because we're forgiven. Look at Hebrews 10.10 or write it down if you want. It's a short verse. If you don't want to go to it, I'll, I'll read it for you. But this is a powerful verse. This sums up the whole day, this morning and tonight of what we've been talking about of holiness. It's this simple. It's this clear. It's this perfect. He says in Hebrews 10.10, we have been made holy. We have been made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Amen? So like you say, I can't be that holy. You're right, you can't. You've been made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10.10. Amen? You've been made holy. Okay? And so that's something that's a gift. And so that leads us into the last story I want to talk about tonight. Leviticus 11, if you'll look at that, verse 44 and 45. It, these verses tell us that God is holy, and as He is holy, He wants us to be holy. Okay, we're, we're in a we're in a generation, it seems. Well, it's not just a new one, but it seems, seems like it can be getting worse where it just seems like everybody wants to look like a Christian, but not act like a Christian. Amen. It's have, have an appearance of godliness, but deny the power thereof. God still, no matter how many years go by or how much media comes out or how long it's been since Jesus walked the earth, still ask his children to be holy. He still expects us to be different. He still expects us to set ourselves apart from this world and be different. Be different, amen? Be set apart, be holy, be consecrated. Leviticus eleven forty four and 45 says, I am the Lord your God. And he says, consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. So he's holy and we're made holy in Jesus, but we have to daily die to ourselves and consecrate our lives. 
Romans 12, I said it this morning, I'll say it again. It says we have to offer our bodies as a what? Living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That means I have to have self-control. That means I have to ask God to help me not do the things my flesh wants to do. And when my flesh is weak, I need to spend time in prayer. And even though the spirit is strong, willing, the flesh is weak. But I got to defeat the flesh by starving it. If I, if I feed the flesh, flesh is going to win. If I starve my spirit, flesh is going to win. But if I'm starving my flesh and feeding my spirit with the word and with prayer and with respect and with reverence, then I'm going to live a life of holiness. And he says, consecrate yourselves. So we talked this morning about separation and the Hebrew word and all that. It means I need to separate myself from the old me. And not hang around the things or the people who was the old me. Amen. Don't do the things you used to do. Don't say the things you used to say. Don't call the people you used to call. Don't hang out with the people you used to hang out with. Don't watch the things you used to watch. Don't listen to the things you used to listen to. Change, consecrate, set yourself apart because it's God's call. It's a call to holiness. I don't see anywhere in this verse that he says if you feel like it or you'd like to or if it seems right to you, be holy. Right? Does anybody see that in your Bible? He says, be holy. Because I'm holy. He says, don't make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves about on the ground. He says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, he says it again, be holy because I am holy. Now, this command to be holy is repeated four times in Leviticus. Four times. This same command, four times in that book of Leviticus, it's repeated over again. And then we go back to this morning. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. So what is he really asking us to do? He's asking us to be like Jesus. Isn't that what the word Christian means? Christ-like? Be like Christ? Christian, Christian isn't a word that you use to, to put a face on you as a denomination or, or a belief. If someone says, hey, are you saved? Yeah, I'm a Christian. A lot of people don't even know what it means. A lot of people don't even know what it is. Being a Christian is to be Christ-like. And that's what God is asking us to do. He's asking us to look at the example in the Bible, to set ourselves aside for the service of the Lord. And that's not just the pastor's job. That's not just the leader's job. That's every believer's job. To set themselves apart for a life of holiness. That doesn't mean we go live in a mountain and let our hair grow out. It doesn't mean that we are nuns or, or live in some, some kind of, uh, uh, what's that thing called? monastery it doesn't mean that it, we are we are in this world but we're not of this world amen you can still talk to people you can still live in this world but he expects us and asks us to be different in every day to live like jesus we saw at the end of that isaiah this morning that isaiah says i'm a man of unclean lips and he says i i need to be t t saved and delivered he confesses the lord and then at the end he says these words as God says, who will go for me? Who will be my spokesperson? He says, here I am, Lord. Here am I. Send me. Is anybody in here willing tonight to go into 2015 and say, Lord, please use me. 
please use my life. Please use my voice. Please use my, my things for your glory. Amen. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for a willingness. He's looking for a life that says, God, I'm not worthy. You are great. You're great. I'm not worthy. But I know that you made me worthy through your greatness. I've made holy because of, my, because of Jesus. And now that you've made me holy, I ask you to clean these lips of mine. And I ask you to use me. I'm here. Use me. I'm set aside for your service. Here I am, Lord. Use me. We read this morning in Revelation. You want to read it later? Again, Sunday school teachers, leaders that weren't here. We read in Revelations 4, that same chapter, that down a little further, one day soon and very soon, hallelujah, there's a song, soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. How many heard it? Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the king. And when we do... We're going to stand before him, and he is going to put up that, that uh, judgment seat of Christ uh, screen in front of us. Amen? Not a screen of our sins, but everything we've done, good or bad, for the Lord. Okay? Again, not sin, not things that would send us to hell, but everything we have done or not done for him. And listen, holiness and a spirit and an attitude of holiness will cause you to answer the call. Set yourself apart. You'll say, this isn't something, this is a waste of my time. This is something I need to do. I don't need to waste my time on that thing. It's, it, it's something that's not profitable to me. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that because I'm working on a crown. Amen. I said that this morning. I'm working on a crown. You are, whether you know it or not, you're working on a crown. And, and, and that day that we stand before the Lord and, and he, he puts our life in front of him, we're going to be rewarded according to the things we've done or not done in this body. And the Bible says everything we've done that is not pleasing, that's not, that's not uh, everlasting or eternal, is wood, hay, and stubble. Okay? It does, that, does, that means it's not necessarily a sin, but it's worthless. It's not kingdom. It's not eternal. It's not life-changing. And those things that we've done, they'll be placed on the, on the, on the uh, uh, table before us, and they'll go through the fire. And if it's wood, hay, and stubble, they're going to burn. Right. Meaning there'll be, on the other side of that conveyor belt, nothing for your crown. Y'all with me? But then he says there'll be gold, silver, and precious stones. And those are the things that I've done in this body for his glory. Those are things I've, the times I've witnessed, the time I've prayed, the time I've set myself aside for his service. Those things that I've done for the Lord in this body will be gold, silver, and precious stones. And they'll pass through that fire on that conveyor belt. And when they come out the other side, they'll still be gold, silver, and precious stones. And then Jesus will take those gold, silver, and precious stones and he'll put them on a crown for us. And then he'll hand us that crown. And I don't know about you, but I don't want it to be something that looks like it came out of a 25-cent gumball machine. I want him to have to lift mine up on a crane. Amen? How many want him to have to lift yours up on the crane? Why? Not so I can put it on my head, but the Bible says right there in Revelations, because we're going to give it back to him. And we're going to lay it at his feet. And so the way we get that crown and the way we stay in the act of service to God is holiness. Setting myself apart for the Lord, being like Christ. A man quoted and said, holiness is the everyday business of every Christian. Holiness is the everyday business 
of everyday Christians. It evidences itself in the decisions we make and the things we do hour by hour and day by day. Amen? Hour by hour and day by day. Now let me, let me, let me move forward for a second and begin to close up with something that I was thinking about as we talk about the character and the, and the, and the holiness of God. It, it, God's holiness in a person is what leads to change. Okay, God's holiness in a person is what leads to change. As you get saved, there, there's not an immediate change there. There's an immediate change of your status. From a non-believer to a believer, from condemned to forgiven, from on your way to hell to on your way to heaven. But then a process starts that will never end, called the process of sanctification. Where you begin to set yourself apart and aside and begin to consecrate your life for God. And in that process of holiness, you're changing. And listen to me real, real bold as I make a, a real boldness here. At the idea of an unchanged Christian is really a contradiction. If you say you're a Christian and you have not changed, you are not truly a Christian. Okay, you can say it all you want. And I know we all know people like that, and I pray no one in here is like that tonight, amen? You can claim all you want you're a Christian, but if people look at your life and you're not changed, you're just blowing smoke. There has to be a change in your life. People, especially those closest around you, should begin to realize you shouldn't have to be going around saying, hey, have you seen me? Have you seen the change? Have you noticed? Have you noticed how different I am? You shouldn't have to do that. They should be telling you, you know what? You're different. You're not the same. You've changed. There's a process of holiness there that God is working on. And, and, and here's what it is. We're pursuing holiness. Okay? In your notes, write that down. I'm pursuing holiness. And I'm going to tell you why. I want you to write down that word pursuing. I'm pursuing holiness. I'm in the pursuit of holiness. Why pursuit? Because we understand that in a certain sense, I'm never going to be 100% holy like God wants me to be because I'm human. But pursuit means I'm seeking it. Pursuit means I'm after it. You don't pursue something you've already obtained. Pursuit means you're chasing it. You're longing for it. You're after it. You might, you might get a little bit of it, okay? For example, a career. This is an example. You, you go to school. You get a degree. You start a career or, or you get a job. And in that job, you get a certain uh, position. And in that job, most people want to work in a place where you can move up and you can get more pay and you can advance. And so you understand that always in your job, you have a job. You get paid for it, but you're not where you want to be. You're always looking for more, higher, more pay, more position. And so it's the same in our walk with God. We understand that as we get saved and as we begin to cut some things out, we begin to walk in God's holiness. We've obtained a spirit of holiness. We're walking in a consciousness of holiness, but we understand we haven't obtained it yet and never will fully obtain because we can never get to where God is. But he put a standard so high that we would jump for it, that we would reach for it. Not something that we can just get up on our tippy toes and grab. But we re remember and realize how amazing he is. So watch this. In this pursuit of holiness, the definition of, of holiness, sorry, pursuit, is the action of following something. 
Okay, the action of following something. So who are we following? Following Jesus. That's our action. And our action is daily. We're daily following Jesus. And then Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then watch this. This is really cool. It says the definition is actually an activity that one engages in as a vocation, profession, or occupation. Guess what your occupation, vocation, and profession is as a Christian? Pursuing holiness. That's your job. That's your job, to pursue holiness. Amen. We're made holy in Jesus, but he asks us to pursue holiness. That that spirit and that act of. Let's go to Ephesians 5 as we close up. Ephesians chapter 5, right there in the New Testament, not too far from where we were. Where were we last, in Isaiah or in Revelations? Okay, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Say amen when you get there. I want to read a few verses here. How many are in the pursuit of holiness tonight? Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also loved and has given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be even named among you, as it is fitting for saints. Neither foolish, sorry, filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Those are some good verses. For us to understand where God wants us to be. What God doesn't want us to do. Who God doesn't want us to hang out with. Not, not that we can't witness to those people at work. Not, that's what God wants us to do. But you can't hang out with them. You can't do what they do. You can't laugh at their jokes. Amen? You can't laugh at their jokes. He says there, don't, let me read that part again. This is, this is important. He says, uh, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Amen? There's a separation. I do have to go to work. I do have to be to school. I do have to go into a supermarket. I do have to be around this world. But I don't partake in what those things, what those people do. How are you going to set yourself apart if someone says that joke at work and you're laughing as hard as everybody else? How are they going to know? If you're asking for tissue so you can wipe your eyes from crying, from laughing so hard, you're not going to be set apart. Amen? But if you're set back and you're not laughing, they say, why, why did he laugh about that? I don't think that was funny. Because I'm a, I'm a holy man. Amen? You don't have to actually say that. But you, you are. You're a holy woman. Amen? You ever heard this? I, I remember growing up hearing this saying, oh, he's a holy roller. Good. Amen? Bible thumper. Go holy roller. You, ho- you should be called that. If you're not, then what's the difference between you and them? You've got to have something and be something that they're not that they'll want. Right, right. 
Amen. You have to be different. If we're going to be true followers, we've got to be, watch this, serious about our pursuit of holiness. And it's personal holiness. Personal holiness. Amen? Personal holiness. So there's no better way to use our time. How many would agree there's no better way to use our time than for God's glory? There's no one greater than the Lord. He's our life. He's our hope. He's our joy. And we're, we're not running after things this morning, tonight that are foolish. We're running after something that is serious. And it's lifelong. It's eternal. Amen. And we need to take personal holiness seriously. So how many would admit tonight that a lot of times we, we spend a lot of time wasted on sin? Amen? And so some things that we, as we close tonight, need, you need to think about, things you need to, 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 to watch and do inventory on, are, are your entertainment, the use of your time, the way you spend your money, the way you talk, the way you do your job, the way you treat others, the way you worship. These are just some examples. People are watching you all the time. Amen? But never forget who's watching you all the, all the, all the time. Just like holy, holy, holy. Amen? God is watching you all the time. He's looking down, and we need to be conscious of that. And we need to say, Lord, I want to please you. And want to please you because I'm thankful for what you've done for me. Amen. Musicians, you can come tonight. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Don't look at someone else's life and say, well, I'm holier than them. No, don't do that. Don't compare your holiness to other people. Compare your holiness to God's. To Him. He's the standard. You can admire somebody. You can look at someone's life and say, man... That man, that woman, they, I see a godliness in them. I see a, a holiness in them. I see a pursuit of holiness. I see, I, see, I see life in Christ in their life. You can admire that, but don't compare your holiness to theirs. Amen? Compare it to God. Because when you compare it to God, you're going to always realize you need to do more. If you compare it to somebody else, you might say, man, I got it. Doing just like they are. We are equally holy. Amen? We got this holiness thing down, but you'll never have the holiness thing down because his holiness is way up there, unattainable, but wanting to be pursued. God wants us to, he knows we can't be good enough. He knows we can't be holy enough. He knows we can't be right enough, but he wants us to try. Amen, he wants us to try. Measure yourself by that correct standard. Help me know that when you begin to measure yourself to God's holiness, it's painful. But it's a good pain. When you begin to measure yourself to God's holiness, there's a whole lot of inward looking, whole lot of digging, whole lot of pulling out. Again, this is a reason, great reason why we have altar calls. So we can come to the Lord at a place of, of reverence and an altar that's symbolic of the presence of God and say, Lord, I need some work done. I need some work done. It's the attitude of the person who goes to a table and it's dinner and it's a nice setting and there's no names, but you know that the head of the table is where 
the person hosting is everybody wants to sit by the host everybody wants to sit in the you might not admit it but you want to sit in the important seat and so the attitude of flesh is I'm gonna walk in and I'm gonna sit in that one chair right next to the host the problem with that is is that host walks in or the people with him and they say hey that's somebody else's seat they ask you to get up and take you down to the end but the attitude of holiness is you walk into the setting of the table and you go to the end of the table and you sit way down here and you realize I'm not worthy to sit even at the table with that host and when you sit down because of that attitude the host comes in and waves at you down and says hey come sit down here by me because you've made yourself low because you've made yourself nothing God exalts you to the high place that's the attitude of holiness I'm separating myself from this world I'm making myself nothing in this world to be made something great by God right whenever we're looking for man and the world's approval we're in the wrong place but when we're looking for God's approval we're in the right place it's an attitude of holiness. Amen.